God's good all the time. Amen. If you have a Bible, turn with us to Isaiah 45. Isaiah chapter 45. Amen. Isaiah chapter 45, verse 18. But let's pray uh, as you turn there and get our hearts ready for the Word today. Father, Lord, we just thank You, God, that You would put up with people like us. God, that we know we are all fallen short of the glory of God, that there is nothing good in us, but that, Lord, You would allow us to find You. You would allow us to seek You. You have grace, unmerited favor. God, that when I don't deserve You, Lord, You are freely giving of Yourself. God, and we weren't looking for You. God, You made Yourself to be available to be found by us. So, Lord, may my heart be towards You. Lord, forgive me of my failures, of my shortcomings. God, draw us deeper into the manifest presence of God. Draw us deeper into your blessings, God. We don't even know it, how much we need more of your presence today. We don't even know how much more of you that we need, but God, we just say, Lord, here we are. We are humbly open and available, Lord. Have your way in us. And everybody said, amen. Amen. I want to talk to you about hide and seek. Hide and seek, part of our Jesus Saves series. Isaiah chapter 45, hide and seek. When's the last time you played hide and seek? Anybody? Every day. <laughs> Not from work, no. Uh, hide and seek. Uh, we, every now and then we'll play hide and seek in my house. My girls like to play it. So Ari is uh, about to be seven. Adley is three. And one of the things I've learned with having two kids is watching these two play it at different age groups. There's a different level of understanding of hide and seek. Uh, Ari can go hide, and she can find some good places to hide, and Addie will take forever to find her. But if Addie goes and hides, it's a shorter game. So Addie will go and hide, and she'll go, normally she'll go hide in the last place you hit. Uh, that's where she thinks you're supposed to hide. And then you'll finally, you'll be walking to the living room or, you know, kitchen or wherever. You're like, where is Addie? And you hear this little giggle in the back of the corner or something. And then before you can even get even into the room, she'll jump out and say, here I am. Like, that's not the point of the game. You got to stay hidden till we find you. And I was thinking about that. And David said to his son, Solomon, in First Chronicles 28, that he said, everyone who truly seeks God finds him. He told his son, he said this, if you seek him, he will let you find him. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. God is not good at playing the game hide and seek. He wants us to find him. He wants us to know him. He wants to uh, embrace us in who he is. He wants to reveal Himself to us, but the question is, are we seeking? What does it mean to seek God? It means to seek His manifest presence. It means to go after the Holy Spirit. It means to look for His face. It means to behold His beauty, His glory, His majesty, His grace, to get lost in the awareness of Him, to just set your mind and your heart on Him, and it ultimately, it's to humbly pursue Him in prayer. But the problem today is this, that we are all hiding or hidden. He is hidden behind all of our self-seeking. You see, you can't seek after God at the same time you're seeking after self. It's two different games. 
It's two different agendas. And the problem is today is that people don't find God or we don't seek after God because we're seeking after so many different things. We're seeking after the next promotion in our jobs. We're seeking after the next relationship. We're seeking after entertainment or hobbies. And the, the problem is that all of that ultimately is called idolatry. It means you're pursuing something other than pursuing God. For instance, like this. I'm pursuing security in my job rather than pursuing security in God. Or I'm pursuing that ultimate love relationship in my wife or my children or even a a new romance if you're single other than pursuing that ultimate romance in God. Or I'm pursuing that peace of coming home every day and sitting in front of the TV to just turn off the world and ultimately I'm consuming more of it. You understand me here today? Uh, Or I'm pursuing getting away from it all and going fishing or hunting or getting away and going shopping on that vacation or whatever, thinking that that thing there will ultimately give me peace, relaxation, a new beginning in my season of my year, rather than pursuing that peace and relaxation in the presence of God. Now, none of those things are in themselves bad, but when we set our mind to seek those things and not seek God, we're playing a totally different game. So are we seeking? What happens ultimately in those times is we find ourselves in a wasteland, we're seeking other things, and one day we find our lives are out of order. They're unfulfilled, they're broken, they're in chaos. And we say things like this, I just don't hear God. I don't know what God's really doing right now. I haven't felt Him in a while, and I don't know where He is. I want to share with you today that God did not create you to be empty. He did not create your life to be a waste place. He created your life to be filled with His manifest presence. And that's what we're going to talk about. Isaiah chapter 45, verse 18. We know a God who is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Somebody said amen. Amen. So when's the last time God revealed more of Himself to you? Because we have a God who does not hide from those who seek. Isaiah 45, verse 18. A God that doesn't hide from those who seek. Let me uh, set up this scene here for Isaiah 45. Isaiah, again, is speaking into 150 years into the future to a nation of Israel in exile. And God has told them, I am going to deliver you out of exile. I will bring you back to the land of promise if you trust me, if you seek me, if you'll, you'll find me. And he says, I'm going to use a man named Cyrus of Persia. Now, Cyrus hasn't even been born yet, much less has Persia become an empire. And so people are thinking, no way, how can you do this? Why would God use a Gentile to lead us out? Where's our next Moses? Because God raised up a Moses for us the last time we were in Egypt. What about now? God says, I'm going to use a this Gentile Persian king who doesn't even know me. And God says, don't question my plans. What does the potter say to the clay? I'm God. I'm the one. I, there is no God but me. And you don't understand my ways because you don't seek my face. You don't know what I'm doing. And I think about that around the world today, that we could look at this, the scene of, uh, and the setting that we're in and say, what is God doing? Where is he at? How is this going to happen? And he says, but if you'll just seek after me, you'll find me. Isaiah 45, look what he says if you'll only seek him. Isaiah 45, verse 18. Isaiah says this, For thus says the Lord, who created the heavens... He is the God who formed the earth and made it. He established it and did not create it to be a waste place. Somebody say, waste place. 
He didn't create it to be a waste place, but formed it to be inhabited. He says, I am the Lord and there is none else. I have not spoken in secret in some dark land. I did not say to the offspring of Jacob, seek me in a waste place. I, the Lord, speak righteousness, declaring things that are upright. So gather yourself and come. Draw near together, you fugitives of the nations. They have no knowledge, those who carry their wooden idols and pray to a God who cannot save. Verse 22, he says, Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth. For I am God and there is no other. I have sworn by myself the word has gone forth from my mouth in righteousness, and it will not turn back. That to me every knee will bow, every tongue will swear allegiance. Any of those verses sound familiar to you? Have been in church for a while? I want to tell you three ways God reveals Himself if we'll stop seeking ourself. Three ways God reveals Himself to us if we will seek Him. God has made Himself plain, number one, in creation. The Bible says that creation reveals the majesty of God. Look what he says in verse 18. He says, The Lord who created the heavens, He did not create it to be a waste place. That word in the original language in Hebrew is signaling us back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. It means empty. That God did not create the world to be an empty, wasteful place. In Genesis 1, it says, The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving or hovering over the surface of the waters. And what did God do? God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God began to meticulously create the world to be divine perfection, and it all declares the glory of God. People around the world today are wondering, Is there a God? And God says, Just look at the world around you. I didn't create this thing form and void to be a waste place. I made it to be inhabited, that the entire world has a purpose, and it declares my glory. Somebody say amen. amen. All of creation testifies. Let me build up your faith a little bit this morning. I've stated this before in a series we've done, but it's worth sharing again. For evolutionary theories to be true, even Evolutionists say they would need billions, even trillions of years for change across species, macroevolution. But even astronomers and geologists, even uh, today, would say that the Earth is only 4.5 billion years old, which means it's far too young for random chance not only to form cellular life, but to evolve into a perfectly diverse uh, symbiotic plant and animal kingdom. We're all with global ecosystems working to benefit one another. You think of it, God's plan so plainly visible. Let's just go on a little further. For you and I to be here today means there had to be a perfect universe. With a perfect rate of expansion, expanding outwardly, they would condense to form galaxies, science says. If it was expanding too slowly, it means the universe would have been too dense and collapsed, mathematicians say. That means that gravity would have to be a certain uh, specific strength. It could not be too strong or too weak to produce stars that could provide for life. And within this perfect universe with a perfect rate of gravity, there had to be a perfect galaxy in the center of it. One with the right type and size and distance between the stars in that galaxy. The distance between those stars for there to be life had to be three trillion miles. Any closer than three trillion miles, the stars would have destabilized planetary orbits. And too far, planets would have never formed. 
Then within that perfect universe, there had to be a perfect galaxy. There must exist also in that perfect galaxy a perfect star. A perfect star with perfect conditions. This star had to contain the right elements. That means a stable life cycle. It had to have a perfect mass. It had a specific luminosity for there to be life. It could not be too old or too young. But at the right time, it had to have life to exist. Near this perfect star in this perfect galaxy with a perfect ga- galaxy with a perfect gravity in the perfect universe, there had to be a perfect planet. Perfectly aligning in its conditions. It had to be the exact right place from the star. It had to have the right gases and water vapor and surface temperature. It had the exact rotation speed needed to create life. Not only that, it had the right axis tilt, the thickness of the crust, the seismic activity and the age of this planet all had to be in alignment for there to be life. This is what science believes, by the way. It's more specifically in this perfect universe, galaxy, star, planet, there must also have a certain planetary alignment in this solar system. Such an alignment needs larger planets like Jupiter and our Saturn to deflect space debris so that asteroids don't destroy the planet. Finally, within all of those perfect, complete systems and planets, there must have a, this perfect planet in this perfect galaxy with this perfect sun in this perfect universe had to have the right size moon. Without our moon today, it would not, we would not pull and clean all the coastal seawaters and aid the growth of sea life. And if all those variables then begin to align, even then, with a perfect moon and the perfect star and the perfect planet, with the perfect sun and the perfect galaxy and the perfect universe, with the perfect rate of expansion, there is no guarantee life would be created from nothing. And even if life was created from nothing, there's no guarantee it wouldn't be snuffed out. And even if it wasn't snuffed out, there's no guarantee it would evolve into a perfect symbiotic ecosystem with designed intelligent life. Now, I don't know about you, but God didn't create all that just so you wouldn't have a relationship with him. He didn't create the world to be a waste place. He didn't go through all that trouble just so you can't find him and that you can't know him. That God says, I did not make this place not to be inhabited. That God has a plan for you to know him. Somebody say amen. Amen. God went through all that trouble, not so that your life would be a waste. Your life is not designed to be a waste. From the very beginning, he designed this entire universe that Adam and Eve might have fellowship with him. The last thing he made on creation was you and me, human beings. And we were made in his image, in his likeness, to be in fellowship with him. And it wasn't God who began the game of hide and seek. It was us. The Bible says that Adam and Eve sinned and they hid in the garden. Look at that. They hid. It wasn't God who was hiding. It was us. We and our sin and our shame hid ourselves from the presence of God. So God did not go through all that trouble just so he could wipe us out. He did not create you to be a waste. He created you for fellowship with him. So creation reveals that God is willing to be found Number two is this, that prophets reveal. Look in verse 19. He says, not only did I not create the world in secret, not only did I not create the world to be a waste place, I didn't create this world to be empty. I created it for life abundantly. And he says, not only that, I didn't tell Israel. 
come find me in a waste place. He said, I didn't tell Israel, seek me in an empty place. Seek me in a waste place. The same thing he did in Genesis 1. He did with Israel. He says, I have created you to be inhabited by me. The Bible says that God desired to dwell in the midst of Moses' camp. That he wanted his presence in the middle of that place. So he had Moses build a tabernacle. So that he would be the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in the middle of the people of God. To have life and life abundantly. Even Amos chapter 3 verse 7 says that God didn't do anything except by revealing His secret counsel to His servant, the prophets. He's wanted to tell them, here I am. This is how you can know me. Here's the law that allows you to come closer to me. Here's how you can get sacrifices. This is how you can go into the tent. This is how you can make atonement for your sin. You see, God has not been absent from man. He has always been drawing us back to himself. He's always said, come, come and be with me. Come and fellowship with me. This is how I want you to know me over and over again. Think of it. God says, look, I'm going to give you a fire by night, a cloud by day. I'll give you manna every day. I'll give you quail. I'll put water rushing out of rocks. I'll fight all your battles for you. Just come and be with me. And what did we do? We went to the waste place. We hid ourselves from God. Our sin, we in our self-seeking and our sin. Look, we're all guilty of this. Not just Israel. It's all of us. We went to the wilderness We went to the waste place. We longed to go back to Egypt. And there was God, plainly visible by fire at night and cloud by day. It wasn't God who was hiding. It's always been us. All of this has been fulfilled. You know that there are over three, some say two to four hundred prophecies that reveal Jesus' life, death, and resurrection in the Old Testament. Plainly revealed over and over again. God spoke it through David, through Noah, through all the covenants of all. There is repeated telling, I'm coming to save you. My Messiah is coming. Anointed one's coming. Look for him. A virgin will have a child and he'll be called Emmanuel, God with us. I will be with you. I'll be found by you. And he says, in, in, he is, as they go into exile, remember what he said in Jeremiah chapter 29? He says, if you seek me with all of your heart, I will be found by you. Every time we hide ourselves, God says, here I am, come find me. Here I am, come, I want to know you, I want you to find me and have a relationship with me. If you'll seek me, you'll find me. You see, you can't seek the living God if you're serving dead ones. God's had a plan, not for calamity, but for a future and a hope, Jeremiah said. He will be found by you if you seek him with all of your heart. He did not create this world to be an empty place, but to be filled with life and life abundantly. He did not bring Israel through the wilderness so they could have an empty place, but to find the promise that is in Him, in Him alone. And then in John chapter 1, we find that not only has creation revealed, but the Old Testament revealed, but His Son has revealed Himself. John 1 says that He who is the only begotten of God, who is in the bosom of the Father, Jesus Christ, He has explained Him. He's revealed himself again. The, old, the ultimate explanation, the ultimate moment, God jumped out of heaven and said, Here I am, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. That's that moment he jumped from behind the couch and said, Here I am. You didn't see me in creation. You couldn't see me through the wilderness. You're not seeing me in exile right now. So I'll send my son and I'll say, Here I am. Here I am. Find me. Come to me. Here I am. 
Yet the Bible says so many could not seek Him in their hardened hearts. Even John says, and the darkness could not comprehend Him. We wouldn't leave our hiding place. It's like we were both playing hide and seek at the same time, and we thought God was hiding, but yet we were the ones hiding. Ever, if you play a hide and seek, you don't know who's supposed to be the seeker and the finder, right? And you both end up all day long not looking for either one, right? I thought you were seeking. I thought you were seeking. That's what we've been doing with God. In our own, we wouldn't leave the dark corners of our heart to be exposed by Him because for fear, remember it was Adam and Eve, for fear they didn't want God to see them as they are. But God doesn't care how you are. He knew you. He knew what happened in the garden. He knew that he, sin had corrupted us, but He found us, wanted to find us anyway. He wanted to bring us to Himself anyway. He'd make it okay. Jesus calls the nations to Himself. He came to light up our darkness Just like in Genesis, He came to bring order to our chaotic lives. He came to bring that new life into the dead bones of our hearts. He wanted to bring the plan of God revealed one more time. Look what He says in verse 22 there in Isaiah 45. He says, Turn to Me and be saved, all the ends of the earth. For I am God, there is no other. I have sworn by Myself, the Word has gone forth from My mouth. Who is that? Jesus has come forth from my mouth. And the Bible says when the word of God comes forth, it did not return back up to heaven void. That's Jesus. When he came down to earth, he didn't do something void. He didn't do something empty. In fact, he left that tomb empty and he rose up victorious. Hallelujah. And he said, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that I am God. You don't have to seek him any longer. You'll find him. He's plainly visible. And for those who reject him, He says, every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess Jesus is God. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. Jesus said, everyone who asks will receive. Everyone who seeks will find. And he who knocks, it will be opened. God has revealed to us he loves us. He wants us to find Him, and there is no greater pursuit than the pursuit of God. No greater pursuit than the pursuit of God. Are we in a dark place today? Are we in a waste place, an empty place? We can turn to Him and be saved. Like Psalm 63, we can pray with David, O God, You are my God, I shall seek You earnestly. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you in a dry, weary, empty place where there is no water. You know, if you turn to God, you'll not be turned away. I want God to examine even my heart today and say, Heath, are you a God seeker or a self seeker? Am I seeking after God? Is my prayer life in such a way that I'm seeking after God? Am I diligently, earnestly seeking Him? If, when's the last time God's revealed more of Himself to you? When's the last time you've been caught up in His peace, in His beauty, in His glory, in the security that you find in Him? As you're looking around the world, am I so caught up in this worldly scheme, this other game of hide-and-seek or we've built up idols. He says, these people, these nations, they've, they've, they've sought other idols. They've sought dead things that will never answer them. They've sought wooden images that never talk back to them. But here I am. 
I'm a God who whispers over you in the night watches. I sing over you. I dance over you. I rejoice over you. Just seek me. Just seek me. I think God is drawing us in these last days. Man, I'm, I'm longing to see people in the altar seeking God. I'm longing to see husbands and wives seeking God in their private times, in their homes, reading their Bibles, praying with their children, getting on their face before God and going after Him. Man, that the church would be a house of prayer. We say, God, we're here to seek you. That's what we're doing here at Sanctuary. That's our goal right now is on Sunday morning, you're going to get preaching on midweek teaching and on the Sunday night prayer is seeking. That's what we're going to do tonight is just seek after God. Just seek him and know what? We're going to find him. Amen. Would you stand with me today? Worship team, would you come?